Welcome to Behind the Chalk, a podcast that brings you tools, strategies, and insights from educators everywhere. I'm your host, Yimby Simpson, and today I'll be sharing with you my top five Microsoft tools from the Office 365 suite. Others may have favorites that are different than mine, but the tools I choose are those that help me stay organized, aid in my collaboration, and create efficiency when working with others as a coach. If you have a favorite tool that is not on my list, head on over to Twitter and share with me as you listen at ChalkEDU. So let's get started. The following are my top five Microsoft tools from the Office 365 suite. Check in the show notes for a link to my YouTube channel, Lindsay Simpson's Spectacular Classroom, to find tutorials for each of my top five picks. Number one, Microsoft To Do. Now, this is a pretty basic app that I started using a couple of years ago, and I know what you're thinking. If you've seen it before, it's pretty simple, and there are a bunch of other apps that do more. And you're right. But for me, I try to use the apps that are available to everyone in my organization and available for free. And so I started using To Do. I am a list maker, and I have had at times an unhealthy obsession with sticky notes. To do help me digitize that work so I never lose the list or have a panic moment of trying to find the sticky note I wrote a week ago. Like I said, it's simple. I can create different lists for different topics in one place, create the tasks that I need to complete, and add in subtasks or steps and prioritize those tasks with due dates. I can even tag in items from my email or the planner app so everything can live in one spot. As a bonus, you can share the to-do list with others to help the collaborative work so everyone can be on the same page of what has been completed and what hasn't. Set a due date, set a reminder, and bam, I have an organized list that everyone can benefit from. I never have to worry about being without my list either because it not only comes in the suite on the laptop or tablet, but I can also download it as an app on my phone. So now all of my 2 a.m. ideas can be crafted right into the app for me to see again when I get to work. As another bonus, and this is my secret personal favorite about this app, when I complete a task, I click the bubble next to it to hear a satisfying ding. Even better, it puts a line through that task to replicate that amazing feeling when I cross out a task using paper and pencil. My list-creating friends understand what I mean. Now, before I move on to number two, I can't keep going without mentioning that Microsoft recently announced some development for lists. This app is similar to To Do, but looks a little fancier and has a wonderful connection with SharePoint. It bumps things up a bit, adding features like a progress status, the ability to assign it to individuals, and maintains helpful features like including notes and documents to the task. Microsoft is currently developing a feature to allow users to comment on those tasks, and I look forward to it when that rolls out. So whether it's creating lists with to-do or lists, either app can be a great spot to keep my tasks and ideas organized. Okay, number two. As an instructional coach, one aspect of my job is to meet with other professionals within my organization. Whether it's a teacher on their prep, a member of the office staff, or an administrator for a planning session, 
there are many times in my day where I need to schedule time with others. Having been a classroom teacher in the past, one of the most tedious tasks about getting together with others was finding that common time. This often involved many back and forth emails, asking when the other person was free, only to find that their time that was free was not my time that was free. The conversation then would move on to the next week and starting the same conversation all over again. Microsoft Scheduling Assistant has made this so much easier. Now, I will preface this statement in saying that in order for this to work, the people in your organization need to use their online calendar. If they don't, well, skip forward to the next tool. It has been my own mini mission to bump up the use of the office calendar because with the scheduling assistant, Microsoft takes a look at both individual schedules and does the hard work for me. It compares the schedule of anyone involved, whether it's just one other person or a group, and shows when on the calendar everyone is free. I can then create a new event with the open time to allow others to confirm that time works. Of course, things come up, events don't always make it onto the calendar, and Microsoft seems to know that because they still allow me to give individuals the opportunity to reply to the invitation. If it doesn't work, someone can reply that they decline the invitation, and only then do I have to go back to looking at common times. But I would enjoy not having to take the time to write all of my free time for the next two weeks out in an email for someone to then cross-reference to their schedule and potentially make a mistake, like I often would, and end up double booking. If you are looking for this feature, it's listed right in the Microsoft Calendar when you create a new event. You can see a preview of everyone who is available on the main page, or you can click the scheduling assistant at the top of the web version to find other matching times. Super handy. Okay, number three. Scheduling Assistant leads me right into my next top five Microsoft app, bookings. As I mentioned, a lot of what I do involves working with others. If I have to schedule with them, the Scheduling Assistant comes to the rescue. However, many times it's the other way around. Again, I want to make it as easy as possible for my colleagues to schedule time with me based on their schedule. This is where bookings comes into play. Now, prior to bookings, I use Calendly. And if you use it, bookings is very similar. However, I wanted to model the use of Microsoft tools, which is what prompted the switch. If you use Calendly, I will say that I still really enjoy it. And if you pay for it, there are some features you can't get with bookings. But if you don't have the resources to pay for a Calendly subscription and have access to the Microsoft suite, Bookings does pretty much everything the free Calendly subscription does. So let me start explaining what it does. Bookings allows me to set my schedule into the system and indicate my working hours when I would like others to be able to book times with me. I can tell Bookings how long each meeting should last. I tend to base it off teacher prep times. The elementary is shorter in my building, so I set mine for about 30 minutes. And I can even tell Bookings to build me in transition times between each sessions. From there, I can send out a link to my Bookings page and my colleagues now can see my availability, 
cross-reference to when it is good for them and book a time. I included questions in my booking page that individuals complete so I can always be prepared, such as what is the topic you are hoping to discuss and where would you like to meet? I have recently been working with a colleague of mine, my co-host from my other podcast, The Next Step EDU, Caitlin Bowen, to develop a coaching menu. This is something I will also be including in the future so I know exactly what my role my colleague is looking for me to play when we meet. Am I a co-planner, an idea creator, an extra set of hands for a lesson, pop-up PD instructor, whatever the case might be. Once individuals book a time, that time no longer shows as available for others. And because it syncs with my calendar, If I go in and add an event, that too syncs and updates so others no longer see that time as a choice. Microsoft Bookings has helped me tremendously keep my calendar organized and prevents double bookings. And as an extra bonus, it will send reminder emails to both myself and the other person who booked with me so that we don't forget we had something planned. Absolutely fabulous. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in just one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm to get started. Okay, so now we're on to number four, OneNote. Now, I will be honest and say that I just recently got into using OneNote in the class notebook with students. However, it's another tool that allows me to stay organized as well as collaborate with others. If you've never used it, it's similar to a Evernote. Think of it as a digital filing binder. I can create a notebook, which I think of as my binder itself, designate sections in the notebook, which are like my dividers, and start creating pages of notes. I have many notebooks, a daily agenda, a notebook for meetings I attend, but the one I use the most is probably my professional development notebook. Every conference or PD session I attend becomes a new section in my notebook. I then can take notes on what I'm learning, include links to important resources, and can even input pictures from my camera roll or ones that I take in the moment, depending on the device I'm using. I cannot stress enough how helpful this is when I'm at a conference. Two years ago, I attended ISTE in Philadelphia. It was by far the largest conference I had ever attended, and to be honest, I was more than a little overwhelmed with everything I was learning. To be able to sit in each session, looking at the different presentations, input the shared link to the presentation file, insert a Word or PDF file to then take notes, which This is also handy for meeting agendas or itineraries of anything that I'm reviewing. Or while at the conference to take pictures of the slides that were the most meaningful 
to add to my notes for later. This all gave me the opportunity to really focus on the speaker and what they were saying, instead of trying to speed write what they were saying in a way I would understand later. I used to be a notebook person, like a physical notebook person. However, when it came time to look back at something I'd written, find something I'd written, the process of flipping through the pages and finding the right sticky note always prevented me to easily find what I was looking for. In OneNote, there is a search feature which always helps me find the notes on the topic I've taken. This can be so helpful when I'm noting conversations. If I want to search all the topics I've had with Mr. Jones to see what my responsibilities were to complete, if I didn't add them to my to-do list, I can search his name and have an immediate record of all the notes I've taken that have to do with Mr. Jones. In recent years, I've also started a collaborative notebook as a coach with the individuals I work with the most. We both can see the notebook as well as add to it. This has been especially helpful during the pandemic. Each person can check in during a time that is best for them, read the notes the last person has written, add to them, suggest changes, etc. before moving on to something else. From an administrative perspective, when I'm asked to provide an account of what I've been working on with teachers, I have an accurate, easy-to-research record to help me respond appropriately. Okay, so before I share number five, I have an honorable mention resource that I couldn't help but share. Have you ever wondered what features are coming out soon? Or perhaps what is in development over at Microsoft? Well, the Microsoft 365 Roadmap has been a resource that I lean on every single day. My wonderful director of technology shared this website with me early on in the year when we were waiting and waiting and waiting for breakout rooms to finally make their way to Microsoft. This roadmap has amazing filtering so that you can not only search for the product or app, but you can also drill down to what features are available on what device. The roadmap then highlights what is in development, what is being currently rolled out, and what features have already been launched. For updates that haven't gone out yet, there is a description with an approximate date of when users may see it. Find the link in the show notes so you never miss a beat on what's new in Microsoft. Okay, so here it is, my number five. Finally, I have reached the last Microsoft Office tool to share with you all. This tool I have left for last because it's probably the most well-known, but it's because become the hub where all the other tools live or could potentially live. This last tool is Microsoft Teams. Think of a team as any group you created to manage what you're doing. For teachers, a team may be a third period English class. Someone else may have an administrative team for the members of their administration. The business office might have their own team or maybe even the guidance office. When Teams was released, it made complete sense. All of a sudden, there was a home base for individuals to share files that wasn't SharePoint or OneDrive, two other tools that could have easily made the list if I wasn't sticking to just five. Where individuals could have live conversations that weren't stuck in an email 
and where collaborative work could occur remotely so that no one has to miss a beat when we are unable to work in person. Like all the apps I have talked about today, there's a web-based version as well as the client version, and like all the other apps, there are some slight differences between the two. However, no matter where I am using Teams, I always have access to the chat, which allows me to talk to anyone in my organization in a live conversation. Think of more like an up-to-date instant messenger. But now my conversations are all in one thread instead of living in different emails. All the files I share are automatically saved to a files tab within that chat. So I can easily look back and find the document I want to reference no matter when it was shared. And now I can see the activity I have with a person across any team, not just in that chat, to see where he or she and I might have interacted to make sure I'm not forgetting something I was supposed to do. I can also make public posts within my team for all members to see if I want to share a message that is applicable to everyone or perhaps even a document or a video. Recently, I have been using this feature to share out tutorial videos to everyone in my staff. In our remote settings, the calendar, which is synced to the Outlook calendar, now creates a spot for individuals or classes to have video calls where they can access features like breakout rooms and a virtual whiteboard. Teams even has an assignment section to push out assignments to students where it has the possibility of generating each student their own copy of a document or OneNote page so they can do their work on their own copy and turn it back in. Within a class or a team, the class notebook or OneNote now lives to provide that integration as well. It just seems to be the home base for all things Microsoft. And if the app I'm hoping for isn't in one of my teams, well, I'm in luck because I can customize the tab in my team to add any resource, website, or Microsoft app I want. So there it is. There are my top five Microsoft tools. They're not the fanciest. They're probably not the most well-known, but they're all have been super helpful for me, especially in this year, managing working from home, working from school, working back home again. And let's be honest, most of us don't have secretaries so just keep me organized. So I want to know what your favorite Microsoft tool is. So head on over to Twitter and connect with me at ChalkEDU. Finally, to end each episode, I like to give a little book highlight from something that I've been reading. Right now, I am making my way through the distance learning playbook. Module three focuses on teacher-student relationships from a distance. On page 50 of the text, the chapter points out that when the learning environment changed, the relationship changed. It reminds us to not neglect reestablishing your relationships in a virtual space. As we go into intermittent remote teaching and learning, I often find myself worrying about not taking up too much time and just getting straight to the point. Now, often my conversations are with adults, 
but I feel the same thing applies no matter the age. I know everyone is busy, everyone is multitasking, and for some, they are monitoring their data usage while they are working from home so they don't run out before the month is over and their plan restarts. But I can't forget to make sure that individuals know that I care about them. Not only that I care about whatever topic we are discussing, but that I care about how they are doing. So whether I'm with adults or with students, there are a few short strategies I can use to rebuild these relationships so that a trusting relationship continues. I can take the first three to five minutes to engage in opening activities so everyone can share about what is happening in their own world. I can make sure that I ask questions to listen to the response and then ask follow-up questions so the person knows I was listening. This kind of reminds me of something my husband and I had to do. We had to attend a pre-cana before we were married, and one of the activities was to practice active listening. This exercise was to practice active listening and ask the individuals to communicate in one to three sentence chunks. The listener then had to repeat those sentences so that each individual knows that what is being communicated and what is being heard is accurate. Well, this might be a little overkill for this situation, I did think about it as a great reminder to listen, restate, and respond so the person knows I am engaged and care about what they say. One other strategy that you could use to connect with students or staff is using the spotlight feature within a Teams video meeting. When someone speaks, if you spotlight them, you're making them larger for everybody in the meeting and conveying that what they're saying matters. It's these small gestures that could help rebuild these relationships. While working from home and even when working in buildings, when staff are being discouraged from congregating and socializing, more and more individuals are feeling alone and unheard. Even small things like these could boost spirits and more importantly, boost relationships. The best strategies though are those we can learn from each other. So please head over to Twitter and share with me how you continue to build relationships with your staff or students at chalk.edu. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Behind the Chalk. Did this episode remind you of a rock star teacher? Whether it's you or someone else, reach out and share with me so we can share with others together. Want to hear more of Behind the Chalk? Subscribe and review the podcast wherever you like to listen and follow on Twitter at ChalkEDU. Thank you.